Grinders. Welcome to the DFS pregame show here on Roto Grinders. I'm Jordan Cooper, aka Blender Ed, Blender HD. If you want to follow me there on Twitter, and uh, and it's Tuesday. It's uh, it's what 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 are we doing today? What are we doing? Today? It's Taco Tuesday. Taco Tuesdays is that normal? Normally, how people promote it that to get some tacos on Tuesday. I don't know what we're going to do today. I want to explain some very basic stuff today. Okay. Uh, I had a conversation in uh, in our, our premium Discord in the middle of the night, uh, and people just don't people just don't get the bait. You have to get the basic concepts before you can even even encroach any other you know advanced stuff. I call it advanced. I'm using quotes uh, to play DFS better. So uh, so I wanted to go over that stuff for, for the benefit. I, it's not like stuff I haven't said, right? So it's, it's probably been probably go back to 700 hours worth of content to find. Same explanation 700 times before, but sometimes you just have to repeat things until people, I don't know, either, either people get it or they just give up or something. But uh, you can hit that thumbs up button. Thank you on your way in the door. Hit the subscribe button if you're new here. The notification bell, as always, to know when we go live. All right, Eric Hillpold got it. Blender making an apple juice run. Yeah, I, I don't have apple juice. I got, I got ginger ale. Uh, got to stay hydrated to have the energy to answer the same questions every morning. Exactly, exactly. Right. And then no matter what, like I, I could do this show every day. I could put up hours of hours of content. I could explain things 700 times the same way. And then I'll still get messages from the same people of, of, of questions like, well, I, how do, do you have an example of this? It's like I've, I've, I've explained this 700 times. Or people that don't even watch the show. I, I, I get people on Twitter. I literally post about the show like every day. I post all the shows that I do. It's in my profile. The people people ask, uh, what's uh, X, Y, and they ask some question. And go, I covered it yesterday. And then I covered literally the exact same thing that you're asking in detail for a half an hour on yesterday's show. And they go, what show? Why do you follow me then? I don't know. I don't know. How, <laughs> it's, it's one of those things that baffles me. It just, it, it, it absolutely baffles me. I, I, I just wonder about people. Is this, is this how normal people are? How could you exist like that? I, I, don't, I don't get it. It's one, it's one of those things. I, 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 I mean, I've said this before. I said this last week. I, 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 don't, I can't fathom it. I can't. It's, it's, it, doesn't, it doesn't compute in my brain. I'm not saying this is exaggerably. I'm telling you this is exactly how it feels. It feels like I look at that person and I go, what do you do for a living? And whatever you do, I don't want any... I don't, like, like, do you have kids? Like, did, uh, geez, I don't want those kids to be in life. I mean, you, you start thinking weird things, right? You go, you go. well, those kids are going to be the dumbest people ever because like, how, they, how do they even allow you to have kids, right? And, and, you, and you, think, you think, right? You say to me, it's like, well, what do you mean? So the person's asking a question of something that, like, you've answered before thousands of times that already videos, like, what is he supposed to do? It says he's supposed to watch the videos. Like what, 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 why wouldn't you do that? Like, I, like, I, like, I don't understand. Why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you be, why wouldn't you, why wouldn't you watch 370 hours of my videos before you even contact me? Like it must be in here somewhere. Right. And then you look for it. Right. Like he probably has answered this before. So why, why, why don't I go through? There's even you, there's even YouTube uh closed captioning like you get it's a it's not the greatest of transcripts right but you get a transcript of every video on youtube so you could go you could go to yesterday's show 
and go to the YouTube transcript of it and then do a page search of anything. So if you want to say, oh, I know, I know on last week's show, they talked about uh, something, some concept. They talked about randomness or some, whatever, or an optimizer setting or something like that. So go to the, I don't know where in the show in this hour long show it is. Well, then go and go to the, go to the transcript and search for it. Right, like you could, you could do that. Like, well, so why wouldn't you? Like, I don't understand why you wouldn't do that. Like, it, it's so it's so dumbfounding to me. Oh, is this guy in or this guy out? So the, just, just go to Twitter. Go to the Twitter search box and just type the player's name in. Like, I, I don't understand why you're asking me. Like, just type the Twitter. Like, that's how I would find out. So why, why do you need me to do it? Just go there and do it. Is this guy in the projected starting lineup? Well, go to the Roto-Grinder starting lineup page and just look. You know what I'm going to do after you ask me the question? I'm going to go to the Roto-Grinder starting lineup page and tell you what it says there. So why I don't understand why you can't do that. Like I, I that that's the disconnect with that. That's the disconnect with me in society, I guess. Like I, I, I don't get. It. I don't like. How do you function? How do you tie your shoes? I don't. I don't. Do you have someone tie your shoes for you every day? How do you not find? How do you not find that information? Like that. That's the thing. That's the thing that bothers me the most. Because then it's like 90, I would say not, over 90% of like my Twitter DMs are like, are big people, the dumbest people ever. I can't not think that. Because you're asking, you're asking questions that have been answered 700 times. Or there's literally, I'm, I'm just sending a link. I'm just going, here's, there's a link. You know, should I play this guy or that guy? Well, there's a link to the projections and look. Why, why is that so complicated to do? Just go look at them. All right, Jacob's in here. Damn, I missed the first stupid question. No, no, no answer to ask a stupid question. But, but Eric said, it's like, got to stay hydrated to have the same ener energy to answer the same questions every morning. Right, well, that, that's why I, I, I feel like to some people, they, they come to the show and I feel like I'm repeating the same show like over and over again every week. Which is far, which is for newer people. I have no problem. I took like four hours like last night. I was up until like five thirty in the morning, in the in the Road of Grinders Discord, explaining basically basically the broadest concept of what variance is to someone that doesn't seem to understand it. And I'm like, I'm going as slow as possible. So I've tutored before. Right? I've 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 taught to some extent. It's most, it's most important to me, at least in my teaching style, to go as slow as possible. And it may even sound patronizing, but you have to go slow until someone, someone gets the concept. So you're trying to teach concepts. Once you start combining three or four concepts together, then people don't get it. You have to go one at a time, these types of concepts. So I spent four hours and it seemed like it was a waste of time. So it's like, why, why am I spending this time? Right. There's going to be something special coming up in the Discord, by the way. If you're if you're a premium member of, uh, of our Roto Grinders, I just uh, just just talk to the big boss man. Right. Not the wrestler. Right. Be weird. Talk to the big boss man. I think he's dead. Right. Is Ray Trailer still alive? No, I think Ray Trailer died. Uh, but I, I talked I talked to the big boss and that did something's because I'm the cool coming up to the, the RG Roto Grinders Discord. Uh, Maybe maybe by next week or something like that. Let you know about it. So sign up for Roto Grinders Premium, right? That's that's I hang out there, right? There'll be something cool coming to there. Oh, okay. So that what I was trying to explain uh, 
late at night was actually I went so slow that I feel like I didn't go slow enough in even touching enough on this concept in the theory of DFS course, which is obviously you could get at theoryofdfs.com. And that's just the concept of variance, just the concept, right? I went like in the course, there's a whole chapter on expected value, which is a core concept. Like if you cannot get expected value, you cannot win at DFS, right? Long-term at least. I mean, yeah, you, obviously anyone can get a lot, right? So expected value is I consider a core concept of basically any gambling, any decision-making game, any, any, anything. What is the expected value of a decision of any? What, what is the expected value of something? But understanding what, what the, the EV of something is means nothing if you don't properly understand what variance is. Because then it's not expected value anymore. It just becomes value, right? You go, okay, you have, you have, uh, you have uh, uh, a, a, a roll of the dice, right? You're rolling a six-sided die. Right, let's, let's make it easy. It's just easier on the math. Ten-sided die. Right, it's a ten-sided die, and you have to bet a dollar on on what what it comes out. And if you win, you get ten bucks. You get paid out ten dollars. So the expected value of the bet is a dollar. You're betting a dollar. The expected value is a dollar. Right? If you got paid out, if you got paid out twenty to one, your expected value on one dollar would be two dollars. Right? Your expected value, which means on average, we keep on rolling that die. For every $1 you bet, you expect to get $2 back. If it was 10 to 1 odds, which would be the true odds of the die roll, 10-sided die roll, your expected value would be with dollars. So you bet a dollar, have the same expected, you're going to break even over the long run. But just because the expected value is X doesn't mean that the expected value of a dollar die roll of a 10-sided die roll is a dollar, but you're never going to win a dollar because you're either going to win 10 bucks or you're going to lose, you're going to lose a dollar. You can't actually hit that one dollar. It's expected value, right? That's the expect of actual value on one single die roll would either be zero or $10, right? But based on probability, nine times you're going to get zero dollars and one time you're going to get $10, right? And you spent $10 in the process. But on each individual time, it could be zero, it could be 10. It could be zero, it could be 10. It could be zero bucks or it could be 10 bucks. Either you get the number right or you get the number wrong, right? That type of thing. So if you, if you, if you guess three times in a row and you miss all three times, that doesn't change the expected value of your bet. It doesn't, cha it doesn't change anything. If you're getting paid 20 to one on a 10 to one occurrence, your expected value is two bucks on a one dollar bet, right? So why wouldn't you? I would, I would, I would be betting on that all day. So it comes up three times in a row, zero, zero, zero. You know, you miss, you miss, you miss. Does, does it change the expected value of the next row? No, it doesn't. It doesn't at all. Probability is probability. What we're talking about now is variance, right? We have an actual probability of the event happening. But do, would I know what number to bet on on any given die roll beforehand? That makes one would come up more than the other. Okay, right? I'm gonna I'm gonna guess three on this one. 
but the next one I'm gonna bet I'm gonna guess five. Is there a reason to even change the 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 side of the die that you even bet? No. There's no reason that you can't change it either. So if you want to bet, if you want to go, I'm gonna bet on seven every single roll, that's perfectly fine. You could say I'm gonna randomly bet on it. I'm gonna say seven and then one and then ten and then eight and then you could do that also. Like the difference between those two, the expected value of your guess does not change. You're getting paid 10, you're gonna make 20 to one on a 10 to one occurrence. And all of the occurrence are equally likely because it's a 10 sided die, right? Assuming it's a fair die, assuming that it's, a, you know, it is not weighted to one side or something, you know, like that. Can you, can you, can you guess wrong 20 times in a row? Yes, that will happen. That actually will, that it's that over, the longer and longer you roll, the more likely you're gonna have a period where we're 20 times in a row. It's, it's, you, you don't guess right. 30 times in a row, you don't guess right. After 30 times in a row, you don't guess right. You go, oh, the, the, the die, what, what, what do you start thinking? Either the die is rigged, which it's not, or you think that there's a better way. Well, uh, if, I, if I guess seven on every die roll for 30 rolls and it never comes up seven, maybe I should switch up and now have to do three and then bet different numbers. No, the expected value of a, it doesn't change. It doesn't, it doesn't change. Be free to switch around. And then some people that switch around go, well, I do, I do six and then I do two and then I do three and then 30 times in a row, they don't get it. And then they think, they think in their head, it's like, damn, if I, if, I just, if I just guess seven every single time, I would have won two or three times. Maybe that's the correct strategy. And you know what I tell them? I said, it doesn't matter either way. The expected value is still the same. You're, you're coming up with some narrative to explain a short period of time of numbers that already have finite probabilities over a 20 roll, 30 roll, 100 roll. The distribution isn't going to be totally normal. Over a million rolls, yeah, it'll be much more normal, right? A billion rolls. So what are you supposed to do? You're supposed to be able to guess when 20 in a row happen at a certain point? No, it's going to happen. It's going to happen quite often over a million occurrences. But is there any information that you have that you know on this specific die roll that you should bet seven or three? No, you don't. You will never have that. And can you look in the past and see, well, I, we just rolled it uh, 500 times. So now I'm going to take those 500 times and go, well, it looks like six comes off, off it, up a little bit more. So now I'm going to bet on six. The remaining times not no there's no reasoning for that it just randomly because the chances are 10 percent of each number and the past roles don't affect future roles so looking in the past and looking at the past 500 roles it doesn't do doesn't change the expected value either none of this changes the changes the expected value so the pro so the pro your proper strategy is to bet on any number doesn't matter when or where or anything. And if you're getting paid 20 to one on a 10 to one occurrence, you stay in every dollar you bet, you should expect a $2 return. The longer and longer you play, you've invested $1,000 into the game. You should have $2,000, you should have $2,000 or close to it, right? Maybe sometimes you play a thousand times and you end up with 1,700. Sometimes you'll end up with 2,300. A rare occasion, maybe you end up with 4,000. On some rare occasions, you end up with less than $1,000.
But the larger and larger that sample size goes, the larger and larger it gets, the closer it gets to the mean. Regression to the mean, that's, what that, that's, that's kind of what that means. Or if you hear the term, the law of large numbers, as the sample gets, as the numbers get larger, it becomes closer and closer. The expected value comes cl closer and closer to the actual value, okay? Do, 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 do. Right, Bunkle Dampier says, people still look for trends on a roulette wheel. There's just no helping some people. And Kenny Tucker, let go, man, talk about DFS. Not well, Kenny, this is what this is what I mean. Kenny, Kenny highlights the, the exact the exact thing that I talked about. People ask me, people ask me all the time. They get they buy my course, they watch the show every day, right? They're in the Roto Grinders Discord. I give a hundred percent of my knowledge away. There's no secret sauce. There's no nothing that I have, right? I'm a very profitable DFS player for multiple for six, seven years. A little over six years now. They go, I want, I want to learn from you. I want to learn. I want to learn, right? They I want to learn. So I said, do you really want to learn? 95% of people don't want to learn. They say things like, why are we talking about this? Let's talk about DFS. And I go, I am, I'm talking. I'm talking the most about DFS right now. This is DFS. Until you could grasp these concepts, and it sounds like a like sounds like a simple concept, but 95% of people don't 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 get. You have to fundamentally grasp expected value and and variance. I didn't realize how much I needed to explain what variance was. I mean, I explain. I mean, obviously, what variance is is that like a coin flip. Right is 50-50, but in a, if you flip a coin ten times, it's not going to come up five and five. It could, it could come up six and four, come up seven and three, come up ten and zero. Oh. That doesn't make the coin rigged. Right over a 10, 10, 10 flips, it could be eight and two. And you go, oh well, I'm going to bet eight heads, two tails. Well, in the eleventh one, I'm going to I'm going to bet I'm going to bet heads because it comes up more often. And then there's some people that think the opposite. They go, well, I know it regresses to the mean, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to bet tails now because, well, it was eight to two, so it's going to get closer to the even. But anything in the past for one single coin flip doesn't matter. So looking at the past 10 flips doesn't, doesn't do you any good. It's still 50-50 no matter what. The expected value is still the same no matter what. Until, until, until proven otherwise, that there's something wrong with the coin, right? Specifically, right? I gave an example yesterday in the chat of a jar of marbles, okay? I thought this is a good way of explaining it. And this is DFS. If you, don't, if you don't like this, then just click away from the channel. Feel free to continue losing your money. Uh, if you have a jar of marbles, let's say you have a jar uh, with 100 marbles, okay? There's 50 red, 50 green, 50 blue, 50, 30, 30 blue, 20 green. So let's let's can I we're gonna bring up, let's see. Like, can I get a can I get a document up or something? Oh, maybe, maybe not. Let's see, let's see if I can. Uh, uh, let's see. Oh uh, no, let's bring up, hold on. Let me get. Let me do this. New. 
Google Docs. Just to show it on the screen. Right. Okay. So let's say you have red, just, just to put it to put it on the screen. I'll have to blow this up a little. Make it easier. Maybe even blow it up to 150. So let's say you have 100 marbles. You have five red, 50 red, 50, uh, 30 blue, and 20 green. Okay. So you have, a, you have 100 marbles. 100, 100 marbles. Okay. Marbles. Okay. Now I'm going to draw 10 of them, 10 draws of the marbles. Okay. Now, if you were to project the average out of 10 draws, what would you project for each marble? Okay, we have the exact probabilities. What's out of 100 marbles, what is the chances of pulling a red marble? 50%. What's the chances of pulling, drawing a blue marble? 30%. Green is 20%, right? There's 50, 50 red out of 100 marbles. There's 30 blue marbles out of 100 marbles. There's 20 green marbles out of 100 marbles. 50, 30, 20. If I were to give you the, the option of guessing any, any color, on one single draw of, of, of the marbles, which one, which one would you guess? Assuming that we always put the marbles back after every, after every guess, it's always 100 marbles. Which, mar which color would you guess to be more right more often? Red. Red's, red's gonna be drawn 50% of the time. Blue, 30%, green, 20%. So if there's 100 marbles, you say, I need you to guess what marble is going to be drawn. You'd, you'd be more off, you'd be more right, more often betting on the red by guessing red. On every single occurrence, assuming we put the marbles back. Remember, we're not taking out the marble and then it comes down to 49. So if you have a draw of one marble and I allowed you to play this game thousands of times, you just choose red every single time because red's more likely to come up because it, there's 50 red marbles this, and compared to the other ones. You do it every single time. Like if a green came up, you'd still, the next time you still do red because you know, you know there's 50 red marbles in there. But 30% of the time it will be blue and 20% of the time it will be green. But you'll still continue, like the expected value, if I was to pay you whatever amount of money, even money, on this bet or whatever. You're gonna make the most money or at least break even in that case, betting on the red every single time, regardless. You wouldn't even look, you, you'd close your eyes. You wouldn't even look at the marble draw. As long as you know there's 50 red, 30 blue and 20 green, okay? So now let's say you have 10 draws. I'm gonna, I'm gonna draw 10 marbles out. And remember, we replace the marbles every draw. So we put, remember, if we pull out one marble, it's not 99 marbles left. We always put the marble back in and then redraw. Okay. So you can't say like, well, if a red gets pulled up, I'm, it's less likely now than another red because there's 49 left. No, we always put the marbles back. So in 10 draws, if you had to project, what, what would happen after 10 draws? What would you, what would you project each marble for? Similarly, how do you project a player? For in NBA, in NFL. 
well, on average, you'd get five, you get five red, three blue, and two green. That would be their median outcome. That would be their mean outcome. That on 10 draws, if we played this game a billion times, it's going to come closest to five, three, and two. Why, why should it? Because we have 50 red, 30 blue, 20 green. It's a, it's a, it's a finite probability. There's no other, there's no covariance. There's no variables. There's no nothing. We already know that there's an exact probability of this. Just like a coin flip is 50-50. So this is what we project. So you'd project red to be five, blue to be three, green to be two. We played this game out a billion times. There's nothing that would change your projection of five, three, and two. If you were to play this game over and over again, you'd make these projections, five, three, two. But you realize that on a draw, it could come up. It could come up that, right? We do 10 marbles and it comes up four red get pulled, five blue and one green. You go, well, that's not five, three, two. There was one less red came out and two more blue than should have come out and one less green. Well, because it's over 10 draws. If we did it over 100 draws, that would be all the marbles. It would always be 50, 30, 20. But over 10 draws, sometimes you'll see red four, blue five, green one. Sometimes you'll see red seven, blue one, green two. Sometimes you'll see that. Sometimes you'll see exactly five, three, two. Sometimes you'll, you'll see that exactly, but actually most times you won't. Actually, that's, the, that's not, that's, that's not, if it doesn't happen five, three, two, that doesn't make it wrong. Sometimes you'll get four, four, two. Sometimes you'll get three. Sometimes you'll only get one, right? Sometimes you'll get one, five, four. And you go, when you get one, five, four, what do you do? Oh, I shouldn't, I shouldn't have guessed five, three, two. No, you didn't do anything wrong. If you guessed five, three, two, every single time, you're gonna, compared to anyone else that guesses, if anyone guesses away from five, three, two, you make money from it. You profit from it. It is the actual probability of those marbles. So if someone guesses on one of those 10 draws, one, five, four, and it comes up one, five, four, that didn't make them right. If they continue to bet one five four on 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 another set of ten draws, they're going to lose money over time. You're going to make money over time because no one can beat you, right? You're you're betting the exact frequency that it that that it should happen, and we have finite and we have a finite probability. There's no other variables to to, to take into account. There's fifty red, thirty blue, twenty green. There's no other. We don't, is it sunny outside? What's the wind look like? There's no other variables. The guy picking it up, what, does he have an arm problem? Like, there's nothing like that. There's nothing that, that could change the probability in 10 draws based on this example. So if you chose five, three, two, every single time, you would be game theory optimal. You, you, can, you can't be beaten. So anytime that someone deviates from guessing five, three, two, you, you profit from, regardless if they won that time. If you, you bet 5-3-2 and one person comes to you and goes, I'm going to go 1-5-4, and then it comes out 1-5-4, four, 
Were they right? No, there's no, it's not about being right or wrong. It's about being profitable and unprofitable. Is there anything that would have told you to bet one, five, four on that, on that particular draw? Nothing. There's no variable that affects the marbles. Oh, but it's Wednesday. So now on Wednesdays, I'm going to bet one, five, four. No, that, but that doesn't make any sense. How did that person know 154? The person didn't know 154. It's actually the less, it's a less probable outcome than 532. And if that person continues to deviate from 532, they're going to lose more and more money. But they, they, they got lucky once. It was negative EV, negative expected value. They guess 154. It was positive expected value, or at least even, to do 532. So if, you, if you're going up against opponents, one-on-one -on -one that deviate from 532, you make money off of them, no matter what happens on one specific trial, on one specific draw. You know what your goal is? To do as many draws as you possibly can. You know you're not going to win every draw. And there's no incentive for you to deviate from 532. There's none. You would hope your opponent just doesn't do 532. It's the most accurate projection. Okay? It's the most accurate. You can't, you can't be beaten. No one can have one that says, well, I know there's 51 marbles. No, we, we already know there's 50 marbles. Someone counts them wrong. Maybe someone counted them wrong. The other person counted it wrong. No, I think there's all 58 marbles and 32. Like, yeah, then their numbers would be wrong. Your numbers would be right. You, you physically know that there's 50 red marbles in there. Someone else thinks there's only 30, right? So they're, they're guessing less red than they should be. But on any one specific draw, dude, maybe no red get drawn. That's going to happen sometimes. But there's 50 marbles in there. So out of 10 marbles, it's possible that zero come out? Yes. Yes, there's actually is a way to compute that probability also. The probability that zero out of 10. All these, all these, these this is math. There's provable ways to do this. There, there, there's formulas and functions to functions to, to prove these things. You can do it by hand, even if you want. Take you a longer time. But without a time machine, there's no way to know that this next draw was going to be one five. Right? There's nothing. There's no predictive power whatsoever on one specific trial when that's going to happen. Like on the ten-sided die roll, do you have any? Do you, well, I know on this one, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to guess three. Like, do you have any information that you know it's going to be three on this specific trial? Other than you could bet on any, I, I could do three every single time. I could change my number any single time. The expected value doesn't change. Same for this. The expected value of your projection of 532 is perfect. It doesn't change. Depending on what happens in the past, what someone else did, it does, nothing changes. So if you see 154 come up and then the next roll, maybe the next draw, it comes up, maybe the next draw, it comes up R2, blue, four, green, four. It comes up like that and you're like, damn, these greens are coming up way more than, than they should be. Maybe, maybe, maybe I should be changing my projection on the green. No, it's two occurrences. If this, and now, if, if green starts coming up like this, 
after 100,000 occurrences, then you could start getting fishy. Then you could go, what's, what's up with these green marbles? We're getting further and further away from the mean. It should be 20% of the time, but these green marbles, after 10,000 draws of 10, are coming up like, coming up like 30, 35% of the time. Could that be variance? Yes, it could be variance. It still could be variance. Even after 10,000 draws, it could still be variance. Now it'd be very high variance. It'd be like, wow, that's, I've been on the really wrong side of variance. But it could also be that there's something up with the green marbles, right? You're like, there's something. I don't know what it is. But I think there's something up with the green marbles. Now, after another 10,000 draws, maybe after 20,000 draws, green comes down to like 22%. And you're like, okay, I guess over that 10,000 period, it just green ran hot because it's just randomly picking 10, 10 marbles. So if it's true that there are 20 green marbles and you know that you physically looked at them, and there's nothing, no other variables that you could possibly consider, then there's no reason to change your projection. After, as the law, the law of large numbers, as the numbers get larger, it should be clay. You should get closer and closer to 50%, 30%, 20%. If you're not seeing that happening after an enormous amount of uh, sample size, then you have to consider that this that maybe there's something up. Maybe there's something that you're missing. Maybe there's a maybe there is a variable. So I posed in, in, in RG Discord yesterday about the, the, the green marbles being sticky, like on the surface, right? They have a little stick to them. So when someone goes into draw, it's more likely to stick on their fingers. I don't know. I don't know. Come up with something like that. So maybe you see that. Maybe you see that green is after a lot, not after 10 draws, after 20 draws, maybe after 500, maybe after a thousand times of playing this game, you go, well, green is coming up. Like if green was coming up 22% of the time, like you could chalk that up to variance. You'd be like, there's no such thing as stickiness. Right, there's no stickiness factor. Green's coming up after after a thousand, just a thousand of these games, and it's coming up like thirty six percent of the time. You can't prove that there's stickiness there either, but now now you have much more of a case. Now you have a much like yeah, green these these twenty percent green marbles are coming up way more than twenty. I mean, way more. Could it still be variance? Yes, it could still be variance. So as you start increasing the size of the sample. You could see whether, whether or not this, and it, that now you, you, you put in and you feel that the greens are sticky. So should you change your projection now? Now that, now that you know that you could physically feel that the greens are sticky and that after a thousand draws of this game, greens were coming up 35, 36% of the time. Should you, should you now, oh, now I'm, now I'm gonna bet, you know, 3.5, you know, I'm gonna change my projection. No. Should you change your projection from two? Possible, okay? Having it come up 36% of the time after a thousand draws, there may be something there, but is it worth changing your projection to 3.6? No, maybe maybe you start changing your projection to 2.2. Maybe you go, there's, maybe there's something to the stickiness factor on the surface, right? But you can't prove it. You only have a thousand draws to go from, and there's no way to prove the sticky. There's no, there's no physical way of proving that. But you know, you, you could feel that the, the greens are sticky, and you, the maybe, 
Maybe that affects something. Maybe. The same way you do in sports. Does home court advantage matter in basketball? Well, maybe, maybe not. Would you be able to find, know that after 10 games? No, of course not. You'd have to know that over thousands upon thousands of games. And even then, maybe it makes a difference, but every, very small. And maybe, to, to add another, another advanced concept, maybe it's not the home court that is the thing. Maybe it's something else that you could measure that already in fat encapsulates that, that number. Like when people say home home court advantages, they typically think of the fans. A lot of times, uh, the scoring efficient, the scoring of the home team, uh, is gets goes slightly higher only because uh, of the refs' influence on the game. So it's it's not it's not that the the the, the oh well they're at home so they're gonna on average score one and a half points more. It's that no they're home so they're gonna probably get two uh, you know one and a half to two fouls more than they would on the road. So that's free throws, right? Like something like that. But that, I'm, I'm getting too advanced. So after a thousand draws, you start, you start regressing the projection, right? You go, maybe there's something to the stickiness. I don't know how much to weigh it by. Maybe I should, maybe the projection really should be 3.6. Because after a thousand draws, I see that that's how it's coming out. But a thousand draws is still still not not a very large sample size, but it's enough. Like if Greenwood's coming out at twenty two percent, right, two point two, after a thousand draws, you wouldn't even think about the stickiness. You're like the stickiness probably doesn't even matter, right? If after a million draws, Green comes out twenty twenty one percent of the time, that's still there's still there's var there's a small a small variance, but the stickiness doesn't really probably doesn't even matter. And if it does, it doesn't matter that much. Maybe it only matters to, maybe the correct projection really should be 2.05. It matters by a half a, half a ton. Maybe, maybe. But obviously the more it becomes an aberration, the more it becomes an outlier, the more that the results start getting over one standard deviation over the mean, when it gets closer to two standard deviations over the mean, then you could start looking. Well, maybe, maybe there's maybe there's a covariate that I'm not taking into account. I'm looking at 50 red, 30 blue, 20 green. Yet after 50,000 draws, green is still coming up at 36%. Can that be a, a, a can that can that be uh, accredited to variance? Yes, it actually could. Right, but as you get further and further, like the less likely it's variance and the more likely it there's there's some covariate there to that could explain that as you get it's more likely and less likely it's not there's no point to like at one point 50,000 because then 49,999 it's variance for by 50,000 it's not variance. there's no line it's just as the number gets larger it's more and more likely that something is or is not true or more, more, more or less likely to be true. So let's say we go a million draws and green is still coming out at like 36%. Then you start to accept more, and like as that number gets larger, the more and more it's like, yeah, this stickiness makes a difference. There's a covariate there of stickiness and it should have a weight. Most people will look at the marbles. A new person comes and looks at the marbles and goes, yeah, 50% red, blue, 30%, green, 20%. 
they don't they're not they don't realize that they have not touched the marbles and feel that they're sticky let's say we let them right we let them right they think 50% 30% 20% i say go go and 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 touch the marbles they touch the red marbles they they feel fine they feel like marbles they touch the blue marbles they feel like marbles they feel like just like the red ones i wouldn't be able to tell the difference then they touch the green marbles and at, when they touch the green marbles and they raise their hand it sticks to their hand like it's like and it takes a little little dip like oh well it's like tar on them almost right and then they think it's like well the red ones don't have it the blue ones don't, the green ones do i go i think it's possible that even though there's only 20 green marbles in there maybe they have a little bit more propensity to be chosen to be drawn because of that stickiness now they haven't gone through a million draws like you have they haven't they don't have that data available to them they may look at that and go yeah, I'm going to guess green comes out 80% of the time. And, and you'd know that that's way too much. They're wa- they're weighting that stickiness way too much. They're going, yeah, I feel the tar. So I'm going to change my projection to, to red 30, blue 10, green 60. They're, you know, completely overweighted because they felt they go, oh, yeah, there's no, there's no way that you know, I think out of 10 draws, six green come out based on this stickiness. Right. And then we'd run it out and they'd be less, you'd be more accurate with your 3.36 than they will with, with their 60. Cause you know what they did? They overweighted it. They, oh, they knew they go, yes, this stickiness is going to have a factor, even though it's 50, 30, 20. Greens are going to be pulled out more often than they should be, but they weighted it way too high. Right. There may be another person. We get another person there, never played this game. Right. They feel the marbles. They know that there's 50, 30, 20. Then they feel the red marbles. Nothing. They feel the blue marbles. Feels like marbles. Then they go to the green and they feel that tar. They go, yeah, I, th- I, I have a feeling that it's possible. It's possible that uh, the green marbles could come up a little bit more often than they should when they're drawn because of that stickiness. And they go and they go, well, I'm, I'm going to 45... Uh, 25, maybe they go four. I'm going to, I'm going to project 47. Uh, let's take three off, uh, 27 and let's add six there. Right. That's where we would get that. Right. I'm going to project that now 47% of the time, red 27% of the time, blue 26% of the time, green. So the stickiness makes a difference, but not, not that dramatic of a difference. It doesn't make it 50, 30, 20. Anyone that's betting 50, 30, 20, is actually incur is actually not as close. I'm going to project 47, 27, 26. So I've weighted that stickiness by a much smaller factor than the person that came by and said 60% of the time a green numbers, a green marble is going to come out because of that stickiness. Okay. So there's who's more accurate? Your well, this this person, 47, 27, 26 is more accurate than the person that thinks that it's going to come out 60% of the time. You're going to beat that person. They're overweighting it. You're underweighting it. In this, in this example, you're underweighting it, but they're vastly overweighting it. There is a proper weight. If you had all that vast data, you're sitting there, those two other people are playing amongst themselves. One's betting green at 60% of the time. 
One's betting green at 26% of the time. And you know, because you've seen a million draws, that green is coming out more like around 36%. Is that the accurate probability? No, because maybe it should be 34. Maybe it should be 38, right? But you're going to be after a million draws, somewhere with probably somewhere within that one standard deviation range. So your 36 projection for green is going to be way more accurate than person one with 60 and person two with 26. But as they draw more and more out, you know what they should be doing? They should be regressing their projections. So the person with 60, you know, saying, oh, 60% of the time green comes out. You think after a thousand draws, he stops thinking 60%. He goes, well, maybe it's more like 55%. Maybe it's more like 50%. Maybe I'm overweighting this too much. Maybe it's 45%. And they start coming down because they see the results. Draw hundreds of draws, thousands of draws. And the person with that's guessed 26 in the beginning goes, I think there's some amount to think to the stickiness. They start seeing green come out sometimes at 42% or 34%, like way higher than 26 so on each and every time they play this 10-draw game, they go, okay, I'm going to put green at 28%. Then after a couple, you know, after 50, 100, they go, I'm going to put a green at 29, right? They start regressing upward. The other guy is regressing downward, trying to find that mean, right? You've already seen it because you've, you've done it a billion times, right? Okay? So they're regressing. They're eventually going to get to you. And you're not going to be perfect because even after a billion times, 36%, it may still be 35.2%. It's not going to be perfectly accurate. As you get more, as you get more and more sample size, this one standard deviation range gets smaller and smaller. Now, let's say those same two people that came up, right, that checked out the marbles. Originally, they thought 50, 30, 20. They're like, this is a stupid game. There's 50, there's 30, there's 20. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to guess 50, 30, 20. And then I show them the stickiness of the green marbles. Okay? So I take, a, so I take both of them through. I, I, I get both of them together. I say, go touch the green marbles. They, see, they feel that tar. They go, and I ask them both. I go, do you think that the stickiness of the tar on the green marbles makes the greens more than 20% likelihood? They should only come out 20% of the time. But you think because of the stickiness that you put your hand in and you get stuck, get stuck to a finger that creates more than 20%. Both of them would say yes, right? Just like the last time. One person goes, yeah, it probably makes a lot of a difference, right? The person that's bet betting that it increases it up to 60%. One person's like, yeah, I think it makes a difference, but not that much, right? I'm going to guess 26%, right? It makes a... a Enough of a difference, but not not dramatic difference. But then I said to both people, I said, I know we haven't done draws yet, but I have the data of the past billion draws. Billion draws. Would you like it? You know what they should say? They should say yes. They haven't been able to develop a data set in order to, to prove exactly what they, to prove if the stickiness matters, one, because the stickiness may not even matter, right? They, they're positing that it could matter. They're thinking maybe it could matter. So until they start developing a data set, they, they don't even know if it matters or, or at all. They're only making an hypothesis now. 
and how much it matters? Well, they're not going to know without it, without having a data set. But if I offered them, well, here's a data set. Okay. Well, the person, the person that, uh, they both get the data set and see that after a billion times of doing this exact draw, green comes out 36% of the time. Well, now they don't have to, I don't have to, I don't have to regress that, right? Now I'm going to start, start from that point of regressing that data to the mean, but it's most likely going to be somewhere around 36. It's already been done a billion times. It's not going to, it's most likely not going to get regressed down to 24 or regressed up to, to, to 60. Maybe 36 becomes 35 after another billion times, right? Something like that. So if you have the data, like if you're like, oh, does stickiness matter with these marbles, right? That's the question these two people want to ask. They really want to answer. Well, if there's data available, they, they, would be, they would use it, right? You could just say, screw the past data. I know it exists, but I'm not going to use it. And then I can see from now, but that's not beneficial to you now. There's plenty of people that the third person has all the data. Right, and is betting 36% on green. You're betting 26%, the other person betting 60 and losing. The other person has already analyzed the data and shown that one, stickiness matters and exactly how much it does matter, okay? So that stickiness covariate is very similar to any of the hundreds of possible covariates that go into a projection model. Right? What happens in the past two games doesn't matter. Right? Two games, that's not a sample size. Oh, oh, like uh, that, that on the past, every, every time the Cleveland Cavs play on a Wednesday, uh, they do well. It's like, for how many Wednesdays? Well, just the past three Wednesdays. It's like, so does Wednesdays matter? Does that matter? Right? You're, you're basically saying as a hypothesis that the Cavs playing on Wednesdays matter after three Wednesdays, that they happen to do one. Could it be true? And I, could it be true that the Cavs play better on Wednesdays? Historic, that that's a predictive measurement. It could be. I'm not, it's, obviously it sounds stupid, but it could be. You're right, it could be. But it's, it's not provable after three occurrences on a Wednesday. You know what we have? We have a lot of other Wednesdays we could measure that. We, we do have that data. So you go, the Cleveland Cavs play a lot, play better on Wednesdays. So I'll go, because I'll go back to all the Wednesdays. All the way, keep on going back, get as, as large of a sample size as possible and see how much that matters. And for something like that, you'll find out that it, bear, it doesn't matter. There's going to be, there's going to be no correlation on what day of the week that they play. Okay, there's going to, there's going to be none. The predictive power, the R squared of that covariate is zero. Zero point zero one, it's, it's, not, it's never gonna be zero. It's gonna be 0 0.001. It's gonna be, I mean, obviously there's amount of variance in everything. So we have the data on that. If you want, if you, if you could have posited like, okay, I'm not gonna look at any of the past data, I'm gonna look at the past three games. But there's so much variance in three games, just like there's variance in this red, blue, green game. There's variance in a coin flip. Well, I flip a coin three times. It comes up heads all three times. Well, I should always bet heads because 
It's not 50-50 anymore. You know how stupid that sounds? You know how stupid that sounds. Over a course of three times, if you flip the coin, if you flip the coin 100,000 times and it came up 100,000 times on head, on heads, at that, then you'd say that it's a, it's a bogus coin. Does it mean that it is a bogus coin? No, but it's way more likely that it is, right? You know how many standard deviations away from the mean to have 100,000 heads in a row? Rid- I mean, a ridiculous amount. So now, now right, probably after, a, probably after 100 times, right? After 10 times, if it's 10 heads in a row, you go like, is something up with this coin? But 10 heads in a row is not like, that's, that's variance. That's, that's one standard deviation. Do 20 times in a row, 30 times in a row, 50 times in a row. As you add, just like I said before, with the law of large numbers, the more and more you add to the sample, the more it regresses to the mean. It should regress to the mean. If you're not seeing that, then something, something may be up. You have to prove that. So you add a covariate. What could be causing the heads to come up more often than not? Well, maybe it's weighted a certain way. Maybe there's a wind. Maybe there's, who knows? But you don't know what they are. So you try to find covariates and then you measure against the data that you've seen. I'm describing how a projection model works. This is, this is what the projections are on players, on anything. So the larger the sample size you get, the more data you have to regress, the more accurate you're going to be on average. Am I going to know how many points Jokic scores tonight? No, but I'm, I'm going to be very accurate on if, I, if, I, if this model takes into the stickiness factor, right? You know, with the marbles, right? The greens are a little bit sticky. Well, we may also find out what we also find out that the blues are a little bit heavier. They're a little, little bit heavier than the reds. It, it, you wouldn't have noticed it at first. The blues are actually a little bit heavier. So when someone grabs it, it's a little, it, they're less, it, it stays at the bottom a little bit more. It's a little, it's slightly heavier. Does that make a difference in selecting the marbles? We don't know. We don't know. Let's take a look at the past data. We noticed that there's a covariate. There's, there's something different about the blue marble. And we noticed that over time, we have 36% green. We have uh, 40% red. Uh, we get now 38, yeah, let's say 40% red and 24% blue. Right, or maybe we even up this, go 42, 44, something like that. So reds are coming in at 44, blues are coming in at 20, and greens are coming in at 36, because so they, they're so sticky. But we're noticing that more, like, yes, greens are coming out more than they should, but blues are coming out, like, red. obviously it's going to take away from the red or the blue, but it's disproportionately coming out of the blue than the red. Blue should be 30, red should be 50. So obviously these greens, because they're sticky, are coming out of these two. It's, it's cr- creating minus six on red. Minus six here. 
but it's minus 10 here on the blue. What's causing that? Maybe it's that, maybe it's, maybe they're weighted a little bit, maybe a little bit heavier. The blues are a little bit heavier. You, you finally notice that. So how much does that weight matter that downgrades the blue? Well, after 10 draws, you're not going to be able to see that, right? You're not going to know. You're not going to be able to prove that that, that, that heaviness, it's very so slight heaviness matters. After 100 draws, you're probably not, it could just be variance, right? The blues are coming out a little less often than they should. Is that, is that because they're a little bit heavier or is it because of just, it's just random variance? Well, after a thousand, after 10,000, after a hundred thousand, the likelihood of it being just variance starts going down and down and the more likelihood it has to do with some, some factor, this heaviness factor. So how much should you weight blues being a little bit heavier? Well, the more and more data you have, the more, you'll, more, the more you're able to weight that appropriately. Just like in the last example, if I told people right out of the gate without any data that the blues were slightly heavier and I asked them, does that affect their probability of being pulled, being drawn? Two people may both correctly say, yes, yes, it does have an effect. Then I asked them how much of an effect. One person could say, well, the blues are supposed to come up at 30%. I think they're going to come up at, uh, at 28% now. That it has an effect, but it's, it's small. One person could say, oh, they're, they're, so, they're heavier? Yeah, blues are only going to come out at 8% now. They're weighing that heaviness factor a lot. Well, which one is right? Well, neither are right. Neither are, act neither are perfectly accurate. How would you be able to prove that? How much that, that weightiness, that heaviness matters on the blue marbles? Well, by looking at the data, as it gets larger and larger and regressing it each and every time, adding to the data set. Now, to those people, I've already ran it a billion times before. So if I said to you, for those two people, instead of you having to do this yourself, and have your data set start now. What if I told you there's a data set of a billion occurrences? They go, they would want it. And then you'd see that blue should, should be at blue should be at 20%. They go, okay, I know what the proper proper weight of this covariate is. Just like I found out what the proper weight of that stickiness factor. Stickiness apparently matters a lot. Heaviness matters some, but not, not as much. Right? So now you could go to a new set of marbles. So you're going, okay, you say bye-bye to me. You go, I'm going to go to some other guy's marbles, right? And they have 100 marbles and they're 50, red, 30, blue, 20, green. But you, now you find out, you go, to the other, you go to the other person's marbles, right? And you find out that the red marbles are very sticky. And the green marbles are a little bit heavier, right? That same tar, that same stickiness is on the red marbles. And the same little heaviness that were on the blue before are now we're on the green, okay? Now, being you have now have the data from the marbles that you played with a billion times, you can now go, it's like, well, how much does the stickiness matter? Well, it turned green from 20 to 36. 
So almost, it almost doubled. And I mean, 20 to 36. So now I'm going to, I'm going to project red for like 78, right? Because I know how much the stickiness factor matters. Because I already, I saw it with the other marbles. I also know that the heaviness matters somewhat. So I know the green probably comes down to 14, if all things being equal. But since red's coming out at 78, we need to get 22 total here. Blue's going to come out at about equal weight. So maybe, maybe the correct projection is something like, uh, what, eight? Something like that. 78, 14, eight. Right, that, that adds up properly, right? I'm just, I'm just doing it by estimation. Because you have the data. You know, you know that the stickiness factor, that stickiness has a certain R squared, an R value to it. You know that the heaviness factor has an R value to it. So now you can go to any set of marbles, right? You go to an, another guy's marbles that have, you know, different number of marbles, have different colors marbles different amounts in there. They go, well, this one has 10 red and this has 40 yellow. There's now yellow marbles. There's five different marbles in here. There's a polka dot marble. But you, all you have to do is can I examine the marbles and you feel that one of the colors has heaviness. One of the colors has stickiness. Maybe one of the marbles has heaviness and stickiness. So you're like, yeah, it's more likely to get chosen for the, the stickiness, but they're also going to be at the bottom because of this heaviness. So they're going to get a little bit of a bump for the stickiness, a little bit downgrade for the heaviness. But how much you should be doing that is based on the data that you've seen by regressing that data. You, you can make an hypothesis, but you're not going to know how much to weight it without regressing the past data. So what most people do in DFS that don't have projection models they don't have any way of weighting. They, they weigh it based on some arbitrary amount that with the amount of variables that there are in an NBA basketball game, how are you going to weight 100 different covariates? People say, well, uh, you know, the, uh, the defensive matchup is bad, so I'm going to downgrade all my players by 10%. Is that correct? Should you be downgrading everyone by 10% or only certain players or only certain positions? is 10%. Now, defensive efficiency, the other team's good at defense, likely affects the player projections of the opposing team. It, it most likely does, but how much? How much does it? You're weighting it as if it's a downgrade of 10%. What if it's only a downgrade of 6%? Well, your projection's going to be off. What if it's only a downgrade of 2%? What happens if... Uh, in the in the backcourt, it matters more than in the front court. What happens if what happens if it matters at home more than away? I mean, it doesn't. We have data on that. That there's data. You could you could regress that. There's data. You're not coming. You're not coming. You're you're approaching the slate as if there's no, that nothing ever existed before. And then a lot of DFS players will look at the last game, the last five games. Well, the last five games. Uh, DeAndre Ayton has, play, has done well against the Kings. They'll come up with something like that. Well, look, in the fast past five games, he did well. 
So I'm going to bump him up. I'm going to, he's a must play. Now, does the information that the past five games he did well against the Kings matter? Yes. I'm not saying it doesn't matter, but how much does it matter over a five game sample size? Who knows? Does it matter 2%? Does it matter 12%? Does it matter 18%? Surely doesn't matter 80%. It's not going to have that great of an effect, but some people act like it has some remarkable, oh, the projection is currently at 41. I'm going to bump him up to 52 because he had five good games against this team. Probably, probably not to that extent. But you know how, how you can figure out how much it matters? By regressing the data. You may find out that the past that, that there's some other variable that's causing the Kings to, you know, he do well against the Kings. And it's not just the Kings. Or maybe it just turns out that it's just a freak five games. Maybe it matters a little. I'm not saying it doesn't matter at all. But maybe the, after looking at the data, the recent five performance against a specific team has an R of 0.07, which is very small. Just small. It still exists, but it's small. Well, that's what you should be using. You're treating it as it's 0.3, which is way too high. There's all those types of covariates, all those types of things that you could use past data to analyze of different teams even. That's what data analysis is. That's what data science is. That's, that's what people have degrees in this. That's what applied mathematics is. So if you have the data, you can figure out what different covariates, which is all the variables that would go into rebound rate, assist rate, you know, totals. Uh, how much does the total matter? How much does the spread matter? How much, any, any specific thing, just like we did with the stickiness, just like we did with the heaviness. You can figure there's, there's something, there may be these covariates there that based on regressing past data, I could put a weight on. That could predict, it's also called predictive power. How much do these covariates predict future outcomes? That I could get a range of outcomes with a median. Jokic, 59.1. Hardaway, 35.53. Paul George, 50.28. With the range of outcomes between 34 and 64 within one standard deviation. Jokic, 41 to 74 within one standard deviation which is an insane range. 41 to 74 is a 33-point range. And that's still taking in all of the covariates and regressing it. So that stickiness, that heaviness, those, that's, that's what, what you're looking at when you look at projections is that. You're looking at a mathematical model that is taken into account. You're walking up to the marbles going, I feel some of them are sticky, but how much does, should stickiness matter? Maybe it doesn't, maybe it does, but how much, how much doesn't? Well, the, the model already has all that data, right? How much does heaviness matter for a marble? Well, we have the past data. So when you, whenever you go to a new set of marbles, then 
You you know how much those things matter. Then maybe you go to another set of marbles and you maybe there's a slippery slipperiness factor. You go, wow, one of these one of these colored marbles, it could be a yellow marble. You don't know what the color colors are. As this seems to be a little bit more slippery, which means it's obviously going to be picked a little bit less because it'll slip out of someone's hands. How much does that slipperiness matter? Doesn't matter at all. Maybe you find out it doesn't even matter. Maybe the difference is very marginal. Maybe it matters a lot, but you don't know without the more and more draws that you do, the more you could prove these hypotheses. But that's what, that's what we're already doing for you at Rotoblinders. That's what the projections are. Does that mean that Jokic is going to score 59 points? No. It means that if we simulated this game out with all the covariates involved, 50,000 times, his median result would be 59.1. His one standard deviation range would be 41 to 70. If he scores 36 points, it's not, the projection wasn't wrong. He just, he had a, he had a, a 12th percentile out. <clears throat> and are we ever going to know if tonight's the night he puts up 12 or he puts up 82? No, you're never going to know. All I know is that based on all the information we possibly have, that this, this range, this number, is more accurate than anyone than, than other people's numbers. Maybe someone has it at 60.2. Maybe another site has it at 58.3. But it's already balanced by all of the covariates already. Really, the only thing, the only thing that's typically input manually into a projection model for NBA is minutes. And that minutes is a median also. We think he's going to play 35 minutes. No, that means you. That means he's his median outcome is going to be 35 minutes. Some games he plays 42. Some games he plays 28. Right? Because foul trouble. Who knows? Blowouts. Gets injured. Sits out a shift. Who knows? So that's a median also. <clears throat> how do we know how many minutes the guy's going to play on average? Well, we have past games. Right? We have past games. We can regress that data, right? Obviously, there's situations that you have to adjust manually. Well, this game is without this guy and this guy, and who knows what's going to happen, which means that the minutes are going to be very high variance because we don't have any data on this specific situation. So who knows? Make our best educated guess based on the data that we do have. But if we have a normal rotation, like, oh, everyone's healthy and everyone whatever, and they've been running out the same starting lineup 74 games in a row, most likely the, min the minutes are going to be more accurate, right? They, they, they have less variance in them. To me, this is very basic concepts. But if you don't get, if you don't get what I'm talking about today, I don't know how you move past playing DFS. Well, Going through the YouTube chat. Uh, anything, any other questions? And this is a long one, but I mean, I mean, I it feels like I have to go over these things. But people are getting way too far ahead of themselves. Some because people ask me, can he teach me how to play DFS? And I go, okay, I start with I don't even talk about sports for the first probably, I don't know. They're like, oh, I want to talk to you an hour a day about DFS and I want you to teach me from scratch. 
Like, dude, it may be two months before I ever get to anything that has anything to do with sports. Because you need to understand the mathematical concepts. Because once you understand the mathematical concepts, you can apply it to any sport you want. Sport doesn't even matter anymore. Because people are trying, oh, when do I add correlation? When do I add leverage? Like, you're way, you're 700 chapters ahead of yourself. Like, do you understand basic probability and statistics? And you have to, funny, I mean, you have to grasp this stuff on an innate level. Like I told the guy last night, I said, I'm going to explain all of this and it's going to take you, because they said like, oh, I get it. I get it. like, no, it's going to take you weeks, if not months to get it. Some people, it may take years to get to actually grasp it. No, I get it. I get with the marbles and the things like, no, you don't, because I'd ask another question and then they'd have an incorrect answer. I go, no, you, you don't get it. Once you get it, you start looking at my, what I used to, I mean, most people are like, play whatever you want. But, you know, they go, like, what, what, you understand what that means now. Anyone that gets it understands exactly what it means. They go, it almost it sounds like, why wouldn't other people, it's like I said, very, very beginning. How do you tie your shoes in the morning? Like that, it becomes that innate to you where expected value and probabilities are just, so when someone says, you know, would, would, would you bet on this? And would you bet, and you go, I don't even care about, it. what do you think is going to happen tonight? I, I, I don't, I don't even, I don't even consider it. I mean, I literally don't even consider it. Right. The showdown last night. I was I played a ton of Daniel Jones. Didn't work out very well. Said, oh, you you thought Daniel Jones was going to do well? I go, no, I didn't think he was going to do anything. Yeah, but you played you played Daniel Jones in most of your lineup, so you thought he was going to do well. I go, no, I didn't think I lit. I mean, I didn't think of it at all, like at all, at all, at all. I was not considering the outcome of last night's game at all, like literally at all. And people look at me like I have fourteen heads. What do you mean you didn't even? Uh, we have a Thanksgiving slate. Do you think uh, the, the 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 Saints are going to do well? Are you going to play this? Like, I, I don't think like the thing the, the words that you're mentioning. I don't even consider. And they go, "How do you play DFS without trying to predict what you think is going to happen?" I go, "Well, the game isn't about predicting what you think is going to happen. <laughs> that isn't the game. The game is to just make the most expect, highest expected value decisions, make that most expected highest expected value lineups." As long as I keep on doing that and I had and I, my sample size gets, gets larger and larger, I'm just going to be more and more likely to be profitable. It's the same thing about choosing the number on the die. Why'd you choose three over seven? I don't think about which number. I don't even think. Why'd you think three would show up instead of seven? That's what you're asking when you're saying uh, you thought you thought the Giants were going to do well against the Buccaneers. I go, I didn't think that at all. I was just building lineups that had a higher expected value than other lineups. Just so happened, Daniel Jones was the under-owned player based on his projection that made most of those lines. Whether or not he goes out and does that, yeah, I would prefer it. I have him in most of my lineups. But if we played this slate out a million times, I'm going to be profitable, assuming that the projections are accurate or more accurate than near opponents. So that's what the, so once you once you have to grasp you really have to grasp that. 
Like that's the main thing. You ha- it has to come to such a point where it's innate, where you where you're not you don't. I don't even fathom considering what the outcomes of games are. I I I don't even. I, it gets to that point. I understand why other people do because I. I I could see I could see how they could confuse that. But it's the same thing with the the roll of the die. People are like, well, well, I I, I guessed six and it came out five. I did something wrong. I, I guess two, and it came out two. I did something right. But what did I do on that time to constantly do that again? I chose by looking in this direction. Like they start trying to come up with covariates that don't exist. When in fact, that there's, there's, you shouldn't care what the outcome is. If you're getting 20 to one on a 10 to one occurrence, close, just bet anything you want, bet any number. Who cares? Do it randomly, do it, go two, four, six, eight, then do the odd numbers. You can do it any way you want. It's not going to matter. Right. So if someone offered me that bet and said, and I, I, I bet uh, on the roll of the die, I bet six. And it came out six. And they asked, you know, what, what made you think that it would come out six? I go, I didn't even think it would come out six. I don't even care. What do you, I just, why do you keep on betting six every time? Because it doesn't matter what I bet. I can bet one, I can bet 10, I can bet any number. So it's a 10% likelihood of coming out. I'm getting paid like it's a 20% likelihood, like it's a 5% likelihood. So for every $1 I bet, I make $2. So it doesn't matter what number I know. I don't care what the outcome is. I don't even think about what the outcome is. You're telling me I can keep on betting this, this way. I can come back to you every hour and bet on this. I'll just come back to every hour and just close my eyes and pick a number. And what happens if you pick wrong five times in a row? So what do I care? I know the finite probability of the, the roll of the die and I know that the, the expected value of the bet that I'm making. So you know, what, you know what my goal is? To show up every hour and make the, make the damn bet. And obviously I can use the Kelly criterion to determine how much of a bankroll I need and what, what I would bet based on that. But that, that's a more advanced concept. But the actual outcome of the die rolls, I wouldn't even care about. Well, why would I care? Why would I even think about what's going to happen on this one time? All I know is that um, it's positive expected value no matter what I do. So to speak, if I'm doing Okay, long one today. Well, people get stuff out of it. I've done videos like this. I used to do periscopes with, with, with this type of stuff. You have to understand this type of stuff to get better in DFS, okay? Everyone's starting to add too many concepts. They go, was this guy under-owned and this construction, whatever. If you don't get these concepts first, none of that matters. Then you don't understand why, why, peop- why to make certain decisions over other decisions. Jonathan Taylor was too alone. Should I have played him over this? Well, now we're talking about an expected value conversation. Okay? But I'm not looking. And what should, what, what, I'm going to watch the tape. No, why was there a reason to watch the tape? Is there anything in the regressed set of data and all the covariates that could have predicted better uh, a higher median projection for Jonathan Taylor? And the answer would be no. Most likely no. I can say no, but most likely no. So based on all the data that we had, if you would if you were to choose Jonathan Taylor versus uh, Christian McCaffrey or whatever on the past slate. It's like, we're going to play this out a million times. 
Who scores more points? Well, the projections say that McCaffrey does. So if you just bet McCaffrey every single time, you're going to be right more often. Yet there are going to be games where Jonathan Taylor puts up 50 points. Yeah, you're right. How do you know which, which of the games Jonathan Taylor puts up 50 points? You don't. You don't you're not going to know. You're going to need a time machine in order to know. So if you pick McCaffrey every single time, you're going to, you would want your opponents to pick Jonathan Taylor. If they win on one occurrence, then so be it. They win on five occurrences, so be it. Over a thousand, 10,000, you're more likely, you're, you're going to win more often. So what do I care about the Bills Colts? What do you think is going to happen? I don't, I don't think of it at all. Okay, so hit the thumbs up button on your way out the door. And uh, yeah, thumbs up. You can reference this. Maybe I can reference this back. I've done videos like this. So uh, hit the notification bell to know when we go live. We got NBA Grinders live later today. A small slate or whatever. But if you have any questions about any of this, this, this math stuff, thinking like this, this, this is the important stuff. You could always join the, the premium Discord, RG, Roto Grinders. Sign up for premium, click on the link in the description, get $10 off your first month. And a lot of this type of explanation is in, is in my course, the Theory of Daily Fantasy Sports, 15-hour audio DFS masterclass. Like there's an entire hour on expected value. There's an entire hour and a half on game objectives, which is like just how games work in and of themselves. Like all of this type of stuff is in here, theoryofdfs.com. So pick that up. It's 15 hours long. You get to listen to it over and over and over again. This is what DFS is. Once you grasp these concepts, how do you think like a professional DFS player? Most of the stuff is done for you. Like if this was six years ago, you'd have to make your own goddamn model. Now we, we have it for you. But you have to understand the math behind everything. And the concept that look, there's no fancy formulas. You don't need to know calculus. You need to innately grasp these concepts. You need, you need to get to a level where someone says, what do you think is going to happen on Sunday's games? And you go, I don't understand why you even consider what you think is going to happen on one single trial. I'm just trying to make the, the best expected value decisions as often as possible, and that's it. So this one Sunday, what do I don't, why? Why should I care? So go, theory of DFS dot com i'll see you tomorrow uh the last last show of the week because obviously we got thanksgiving weekend coming up so uh so check that out and uh yeah thumbs up buttons and uh i'm here always here answering your dfs strategy questions or teaching you some math on the dfs pregame show on rotogrinders.com